Welcome to the Texas Home Improvement Super Podcast with Jim Dutton. All the best calls this week throughout the state of Texas. Brought to you by James Hardy Siding, the best siding on the planet. You know, I mentioned in the last hour, we have our, our uh, website, and at the bottom left-hand corner, there's a, a spot called Ask Jim where people can send in emails. And uh, I'll just give you a, a real quick example of one of the emails that came in. What would be the reason that four of my doors slowly close after they've been opened? They used to stay open until you close them yourself. They are inside closet doors. Well, you know, obviously there's several things that can cause this problem. And this is what I emailed back to them. Uh, one of the things, obviously, is foundation problems. But if you're not having cracks in the sheetrock and cracks in the brick veneer, chances are real good it's not a foundation problem. The one item that people always fail to realize on door hinges is they wear. It's metal on metal, typically little to no lubrication between the metal parts. So if the doors open and close a lot, you will start getting wear on typically the, the pin that goes down in the hinge. It doesn't take much wear to allow the door to start swinging. So what I recommend is you just take out one of the pins, hit it with a hammer on a on a concrete to put just a ever so slight warp in it and then drop it back in. And you may have to tap it to get it back in to place. But what that does is that puts resistance back into that one hinge and it'll hold the door open. And sure enough, when uh, I sent that message out about an hour later, got a response back that he did that and it took care of his problem. Betty, welcome to WBAP. How can I help you? Yes, I have recent, per, recently purchased a home, and um, we had a home inspection service come out and take a look at the home, and um, we were told that um, one or more of the post-tension cable ends are exposed, and um, they, the fellow said it just needed to be sealed, and I was looking at it, and it's, you know, there's a hole there. Yeah. And what I was wondering is, how would I go about doing it? Is it as simple as he made it sound to me, or is it more complicated? It's actually pretty simple. I mean, basically what you do is clean off as much of the rust as you can. Okay. Do not tap them with a hammer, though. Simply use a wire brush to, to clean it up. Mm -hmm. And I typically recommend spray a, a sealer on there that will eat the rust and seal it there's several of them out available uh and then you just mix up some mortar mix uh -huh. and stick it in the hole and that's it now what would i spray it with that you were just saying uh, rust-oleum makes some products that you can spray on there that converts rust into a sealer and all that does is it seals it so that the rust doesn't continue to eat away uh on the the metal pieces there Okay, so I need to get some Rust-Oleum sealer, seal that up, the, the wire, if there's any cables that are exposed, clean right. that up, 
Yep. And then just go ahead. Now, you said mortar mix because I, I went to the store and there was a bag of mortar and there was a uh, bag of cement. Is that one and the same? No, go with the mortar. Go with the mortar. Okay. All right. Well, And you're not going to need much. I mean, each one of those little cups there, and that's what that little indention is in, in the uh, concrete, is called uh -huh. a cup for holding those post-tension cables. Uh -huh. You know, it's going to use a half a cup, basically, of of mortar. So if you'll take, like, a coffee can or something, uh -huh. uh, you, you mix a little bit up in there, add just a little bit of water, mix it up. You want to keep it somewhat thick so okay. that it sticks in there real good. Okay. And that that's really all you got to do. It's that simple. Okay, I can do that. But I, I, could I get that Rust-Oleum at, let's say, if I went to... Would they know what I'm talking about? Any box store would have it, yeah. Okay. All right. Thank you, sir, for your time. You bet, Betty. You take care. Bye-bye. Bye. I tell you, this is a very common problem. If you got post-tension cable slabs, and anything really that's been built since 95 on is pretty much post-tension cable, if it's a track home. What happens is the mortar over time does get a little moisture in there the the steel from the cable ends starts to rust it expands it pops that mortar out so it's just a matter of cleaning up the rust put a sealer in there and mix some new mortar and pack it in now a, a quick trick on putting it in and getting it to stay buy you one of those rubber trowels and when you put the mortar in there Use the rubber trowel over the surface. It'll pack it in good, and it and it fit, strikes it off and gives it a nice finish that typically will match pretty good to the concrete. I will, I'm going to tell you up front, the color of the mortar is going to stick out like a sore thumb for the first couple months because it's going to stay rather dark. As it ages, it will lighten up in color and blend in with the concrete better. So... Not something you need to worry about. And if your concrete's rust all the, rough all the way around, you actually can use that mortar to skim coat the entire bot, you know, foundation there to cover up any roughness you have. If you do that, figure on redoing that like every 10 years because it will eventually start chipping and peeling off. Martha, how can I help you today? Um, we live in a house that was built in 1985. And... Um, when we bought it 15 years ago, it was in pristine shape. A child has never lived in the house. So it, it has been well, well taken care of. We're thinking about redoing the front bathroom that guests would use, and we're thinking about taking the tub out and putting a walk-in shower. Would that decrease the value of the home? Well... It doesn't really decrease the value, but what it would do, do you, would, do you have a tub in the master? There is a spa tub in the master. Oh, okay. You typically want to keep at least one bathtub in the home. Uh, and the reason for that, if you go to sell the house someday, uh, families who have small kids or expecting kids want a bathtub in order right. to bathe the kids. And right. so, you know, it it doesn't decrease the value. It just limits the people who are willing to look at the house to buy it. Now, okay. that's as long as you, you know, if you went with no bathtub, as long as you still have a tub in it, 
I personally, no, wouldn't worry about it at all. Okay. All right. I certainly do appreciate it. You've given me uh, words to pass along to my husband. Uh-oh. Which side is he falling on? Uh, he's falling on the neutral side right now. Smart man. <laughs> so so we'll give him a little ammunition to go toward the walk-in shower. <laughs> okay. Good luck okay, with that, Martha. Thank you so very much. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye-bye. After the storms uh, a few weeks ago, and I've been dealing with my insurance company and having Arrington Roofing deal with my insurance company more so than I am, I just opened up the claim and I let them take care of it. But, you know, if, if you've been watching the news at all, and following what's going on in the state legislators, uh, there was a bill for uh, licensing of roofing contractors again. Because of all the different trades out there, home improvement things, I think more people get ripped off by roofing than anything, especially after storms. Because the insurance company sends a check out to the homeowner, and unfortunately, since there's no regulation on roofings other than you're supposed to pull a permit, and a lot of these fly-by-night guys don't because, let's face it, a roof goes on fast. They, ju- they jump up there, and typically a day, maybe two days, they've got it done, and they're off to another job. Well, a lot of these fly-by-night guys, they come and they take that first check and they disappear. Never to be seen again, not putting your roof on your house. That's a huge problem. And so... The industry has tried several times to get licensing so that contractors basically have to be, you know, registered with the state. Now the legislators are coming back trying to set up a voluntary registration. And I I fully understand that some of the contractors will do this, but you're going to have two kinds. You're going to have the guys who do a great job. They're going to register because they know it's the right thing to do for the industry. And then you're going to have the fly-by-nights who are registered because they're going to use that as a badge of honor saying, see, I'm legit. I even registered with the state. And they're still going to haul tail with your check. One cautionary, if they set that up, and I don't think they'll get it set up, if they set that up, make sure you check. Because I think what's going to happen is there'll be a lot of people using fake registrations saying that they are registered when they aren't. And that's really when you're hiring any contractor. Check to make sure that everything is legit. There's a lot of air conditioning uh, companies who don't even have a licensed tech to do work. There's no license holder for the company because there there's a limited number of people who can go out and check and see if these licenses are good. You, as a consumer need to verify some of these things. Same with plumbing and, and, and other trades. Uh, when you're hiring a contractor, if it's not somebody you know and have done business with and are very comfortable with, always, always check them out. Chase, how are you today? I'm good, thanks. I've got, a, got two questions. We're um, buying a house next week, and it doesn't have a water softener but the previous owner has put a water ionizer on the intake of the hot water heater. So my first question is, one, does that really do anything? And then, two, um, I've seen water softeners, like at Lowe's for, I don't know, 500 bucks. 
is is it is it okay to buy a cheap one and have it installed, or should I go to a bigger company? Well, let's start with the ionizer. Is that one of those where they've got the magnets or this the uh, wire wrapped around the pipe? Yes. Yeah. Not worth the electric bill. It's going to run up. That's what I thought. <coughs> so yeah, I, I would I would remove that. I mean. The whole theory on that is as the molecules pass through it, it's going to change the the uh, electric of, of the molecules and keep them from sticking to stuff and all. It's bunk. It, it, it those, those companies come and go because they'll build up so many lawsuits, close, and then open up under a new name. So I, I would do, this, do away with that system. Uh, as far as a water softener, I'll be honest with you, the simpler the softener, the better. When they have all these electronics and stuff on them, it's just something to break. And you, you really don't need that. Uh, I don't know which one you're looking at at one of the box stores, and, and it doesn't really matter. I mean, is that going to be the best water softener out there? Probably not. But do you need the best one? You need water to go through it and, you know, take the chemicals and stuff out of it and... Typically, the those cheaper ones will do it for you as well. Okay. Well, thanks a lot. That's what I needed to know. All righty. Good luck with that, Chase. Michael, welcome to Texas Home Improvement. Thank you, sir. I appreciate you taking my call. I listen to you quite frequently, and I don't know that I've ever heard this one. I'm sure that you've probably uh, gone over it before in the past, and it's probably a pretty simple question. But we moved into a home. We, we built it from the ground up about two years ago. And recently, the last two times that we've run our dishwasher, um, the little air valve or the overflow valve, whatever it is that's on top of the sink there, um, the water has come out of it. And on both times, um, you know, I made sure that the disposal was completely, you know, it had been run and there was nothing in there clogging up as far as the disposal was concerned. And again, it's kind of a new disposal. And I'm just wondering... Um, what's causing it? What can I do to fix it? Okay, typically what's causing that, that's an air break. Uh, and what that's for is so that uh, you don't get material backing up back down into the dishwasher. Uh, so obviously there's a plug in a line somewhere when the dishwasher okay. is discharging into the garbage disposal. So you you may have, and, and it could be even in the, line after the garbage disposal that it's not flowing fast enough when you drain this the kitchen sink does it drain out pretty fast absolutely yeah i have okay and I, you know again I'm, I'm one of those guys that did google it and um, <laughs> yeah, i figured I'd, oh yeah, my I'd god you googled it i don't know what no yeah. it's okay <laughs> so i figured i figured i'd pick up the phone because that was the first thing that i did check now i did not check what you just said as far as the line from the dishwasher to the disposal, that, I that's, check that one. Yeah, and that's going to be where it's at because if okay. if the if the sink drains out fast and it backs up through that air thing when the dishwasher's discharging, it's going to be actually from where that uh, air gap is to the garbage disposal. That's where well, you're going to find the one plug. I, that one I yeah, that one I checked, and that's actually, sir. I don't know if this is typical, but when I look at it, that that particular hose. Um, 
Well, no, I apologize. That's a black host. I'm looking at it right now. And so you're saying that, that, that I don't need to worry about from the dishwasher to the disposal. I need to check the one that's running from the disposal to the uh, release or the air valve. Yes. Okay, perfect. Okay. Okay, thank you so much. I appreciate your time, Jim. You bet. Take care. Bye-bye. You Bye. too. And you know that, and most dishwashers, newer ones now, what they do is just run a loop up and back down to the garbage disposal. There was a time period, and some cities still require it, where they put that air gap where it went up. You have that air gap, and then it continues on, and uh, that that's why you know if it's if water's coming up through the air gap, that's telling you that there's a, a plug in the line from the air gap going on so hopefully that'll help you out richard how are you okay how are you doing today wonderful great i've got a piece of sheetrock i need to replace it's about 24 by 44 it's on the ceiling um it's been a long time since i've done that has they come up with anything new that i should try or just do the old uh, compound with the uh, tape and float Nope, it's still the old compound with tape and float. Yeah. Well, what kind of compound should I be using this time? Well, just reg- standard. Uh, I mean, if you, if you want to speed it up, they've got a fast-drying compound. Uh-huh. But I, I personally still just use the standard compound. Okay. Well, the hole's been there for a couple of weeks. I guess it's not going to worry that much longer. Yeah, uh, I mean... Using the standard, you got to just wait overnight for it to dry is all. I've got to match the ceiling, which is not popcorn, but almost. How do I get that texture back in in, in my paint? I'll tell you, the easiest way I have found over the years is to, after you've done your tape and float and you got all of that finished, you can you got one or two choices. You either blow the texture on and then multi layers of paint. But I what I have found better is I'll mix up some of the texture in my paint, and I'll just keep adding the texture until I get the the consistency that I need when I apply it. Okay. Because it gives it the coatings on it to to where it matches an older ceiling. Right. That's what I got to do. And, yeah. And the, the the texture the they sell that separate. To pour it, to put it in the paint? Yes. Okay. What is that called? Is it a special name for it? It's texture. It's called texture, and I, and I can get it right there where they sell the uh, the compound and stuff? Yep. And yep. The ta- okay, then. That's all. I just want to know if they come up with something a lot easier. Than, nope. Than it's still the one. same old way it's always been. <laughs> I appreciate the information. You bet. Take care. All right. Thank you. Fred, how can I yes. help you? Uh, for a new central air conditioning system, yeah, five tons, sixteen t- uh, sear. Is there a difference in the brands? Yes, I mean uh, from a carrier to a Linux to uh, um, you know to uh, to whatever. Well, there is. I mean, there's a difference if you stay with carrier, uh, American Standard, Linux, uh, Train. You're staying with the upper brands. Typically, they have better warranties, uh, and and they on the internal parts they use better parts. You can get down into the cheaper units, but you know, like we had that call earlier uh, about the the Goodman unit, where the uh, 
coil was going out. Mm -hmm. uh, five years old. And I'm not saying it can't happen with the upper brands, but it's very commonplace with the lower brands. Okay, where would you place rude or rud? It's that's in the medium level. Okay, okay. Uh, so among the, uh, if you start, basically, if you say top tier, there's not a whole lot of difference. I won't say there's not a whole lot of difference. There is some differences, but I mean they're all they're all very good systems that will hold up for you. Okay, very good. That's essentially the question. Thank you okay. very much. Take Appreciate care, Fred. It. This is a question that came in actually yesterday afternoon after I finished the show, and man, I, this is one of those things where I hope it's a typo. Hi, Jim. I had a pinprick pipe leak last. July and it cost me thirteen thousand to replace six inches of pipe and I am hoping it wasn't thirteen thousand. I'm I'm sure hoping that's a typo. Anyways, I used and I'm I'm not, well I used Baker Brothers and I hear they are good but overpriced. I'll look on your site to see who you like, but I now can hear another one in my walls. I believe this probably will keep happening, so I'm looking for a company to replace the pipes or line them. I'm not well off, but this has to be done, so I would like to know who you think I can trust to give me some options. Thank you. Well, Kathy, first of all, again, I sure hope that was a typo. And yes, Baker Brothers does do a good job. They do an awful lot of insurance work, and they're on the higher end of the spectrum. I mean, I'll, let's, let's be upfront about it. But if you're wanting a company you can trust, one who's going to take care of you, call my company, Due West Plumbing. Uh, we'd be more than happy to come out, and we replace these kind of situations all the time. The number is 972-406-0912. That's 972-406-0912 for Due West Total Plumbing. But you do have another option, and you, you actually brought that up to line them. There's a system out there called, uh, it's from Ace Duraflow, it's called E-Pipe. And with this system, what they do is they come into the house and they remove all the fixtures. The, the cutoff valves under the sinks, under the toilets, they got to undo the pipes uh, going into the shower valves, the tub valves, all that stuff. Then they're going to basically sandblast through the pipes. Now, it's not really sandblasting, but for all practical purposes, it is. They're, they're blowing a material through to clean out the inside of the pipes. After that, they'll blow an epoxy resin through the pipes, which seals up any leaks that's there, and it coats the inside of the pipe so you avoid having leaks in the future. Now, a lot of times people will ask me, oh, is that, is that a lot cheaper than replacing the pipes? No, it's not. Uh, quite honestly, it's going to really depend on how much sheetrock work has to be done to, to determine which way is going to be cheaper. Because when you replace all the pipes, a lot of times you have to open up quite a bit of sheetrock in order to get to, to every place. But even when you use the Ace Duraflow system, you sometimes have to open up like behind the... Oh, behind it for the shower valve or for the tub valve. There's not always an access panel there to open, so you have to cut the sheetrock. 
that's really those type of repairs are what makes the bigger difference both systems whether you put new pipe in or doing the what they call a repipe the the e-pipe system uh, both of those will run fairly close to each other I will tell you up front typically the e-pipe will not do as much sheetrock damage though because they don't have to open up everything uh, and again it, it it's all going to depend on the layout of the house where the pipes run and all that stuff now a lot of our pipes in north texas here are run under the the ground in the slab and typically if that's where your pipes are it's going to be cheaper to use the e-pipe system because otherwise what you're going to do is run everything up through the attic and drop down and that so you know you're getting into doing a lot of plumbing if your pipes are already in the attic and stuff you're still running the same amount of pipes but the holes are drilled and different things like that to make it quicker and easier and typically if you're going to repipe the house not not recoat the the existing pipes but you're going to go through and and have all the plumbing replaced take a look at pex now pex is a flexible tubing and you know sometimes people say oh no that that's not strong enough there's some real advantages to using the pex one of the advantages is uh, you know obviously if you're running it up in the attic you're going to have to insulate it all to keep it from freezing but should it freeze the pex pipe has some flexibility to it so as the water freezes and expands the pipe it doesn't break it and then when the pipe thaws out it comes back down again so that's a huge plus for it and the fact that it's flexible makes it easier to pass through the walls and down through tight areas to get it into where it needs to be uh, it, it it's actually a very good piping system I've done a lot of it and it works extremely well so again you can call due west total plumbing at 972-406-0912 and they'd be more than happy to help you out with that and uh, that's one of those things you know like you said in your email uh, it's just got to be done because if you start getting leak after leak like that it's not going to stop and there's two types of pipe that are really having the issues the old uh, galvanized pipes that were put into houses back like in the 50s they're they're just uh, they're 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 done they're deteriorating and some of the copper pipes for a while there in the late 70s and into the 80s we were importing some cheap Chinese copper pipes that actually wear through believe it or not so those are the, the two situations where most of the problems are coming from you know with the pipes that are running through the slab you can have isolated issues where uh, one of the copper pipes was touching a piece of metal like from the rebar or wire mesh or something and through electrolysis that spot will get a pinhole in it and if that's what you're having to repair I gotta be honest I'm not gonna tell you you know replace everything but if it's you know that it keeps popping up and elbows are wearing out and things like that yeah it's time to take care of it and another question came in yesterday on the uh, the website refinishing cedar garage door what product pressure wash first well 
And then it says, uh, what product do you recommend to preserve a cedar garage door? Should I pressure wash first? You know, typically, depending on how long you let that door go will depend on if you need to pressure wash it first or not. You definitely need to wash it in order to clean any dust and, and dirt and stuff off of it. But as far as pressure washing, that really depends on how bad the dirt is and if there's any loose material. If there is, be careful how close you get with a pressure washer. Cedar is very soft, and if you're using even a 2,000 PSI pressure washer, you get too close, it will start gouging into the wood. At 4,500 PSI, you're going to cut the wood in half. So you got to be careful. But, you know, as long as you start from back a little bit, you can work your way up to see how close you can get to it. And then let it dry before you start applying any other products. As far as cleaning it, uh, use a deck and fence wash on it. That will clean the cedar up very well, that and the pressure washer. Uh, and the materials I use, I use uh, Olympic for my deck and uh, fence wash. And then I also use Olympic to do my staining and sealing. Uh, typically on, on my fence and deck, I get about five years between times of having to do it so uh, there's a lot of products out there that uh, name brand Thompson for instance and a lot of people use it but you got to redo it every year because it's wax based and that just doesn't hold up in our climate so you can pick up Olympic at really any box store uh, Lowe's Home Depot I think both carry it and that well that will that'll definitely take care of it for you Ryan, welcome to Texas Home Improvement. Yes, sir. How are you doing today? Doing all right? Doing great. How about you? Good, good. Um, quick question for you. I think it might be up your alley. Uh, think about doing some decorative rock and brick uh, planter boxes around the flower bed, around the trees in the front yard. Yeah. Um, you know, comparing prices, we got a couple quotes, about 1100 bucks or so, but I'm really concerned. Here's David uh, Johnson. For... Sorry we're about not... that. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> uh, we're, uh, we're not from this area, so... I'm concerned about doing something like that, and the, the soil, the clay stuff over here, you know, stuff start falling apart in five, six years. I don't know if it's worth me spending the money or me just doing some, you know, smaller decorative non-cement rocks from Lowe's or Home, Home, Home Depot or something myself. Well, first of all, the thing you got to be concerned with is don't put something that's going to come up the trunk of the tree too far. Okay. Because... It, uh, Realistically, you can only add about two inches of material a year on the base of a tree, or you get up where it starts choking off the tree. Okay. So you got to be careful with that. But as far as the soils, yeah, they move up and down. But typically, if you put up like uh, the concrete borders around a, a tree, are you okay. looking at using just a poured concrete border or blocks that you put around it decorative? Okay. Uh, I'm thinking of the, the poured, but with, with the rock mixed into it, if that makes sense. Well, the, the, here's the, the thing. If you use the poured ones, you're typically going to get 10 to 15 years before they break okay. up enough where you got to move them okay. and, and redo it. If you use the uh, loose concrete blocks, you know, that you would put in there as decorative, you're still only going to get about 10 to 15 years, and then you got to pull them out and relay them, but right. you don't lose the material. Okay, that makes sense. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, like I said, I was I was 
kind of blown away. They weren't eleven hundred dollars to do it, so I started thinking maybe doing it myself. But I guess we'll see how hot it gets this summer, whether I do it myself or not. Where, where'd you come from? Uh, El Paso, Texas. Oh, you're used to the heat, man. You can handle true. this. That's true. <laughs> I'm just getting old. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I appreciate it. You bet, Ryan. Good luck with that. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye. Robert, welcome to KRLD. How can I help you? Hey, I've, uh, Jim, thank you very much. I've got a uh, plug in line with in my kitchen with another plug that's up on the counter and also in that services the microwave. Now, when I keep something plugged in the top part of that bottom plug, everything works fine. But if I pull my plug out of that top plug on the on the wall, the other two plugs in line with it stop functioning. Oh, that's not good. I know, but... <laughs> <laughs> Look, you got to replace that plug outlet. What's happened that's... is that something inside that plug outlet has uh, uh, come apart. And when you're when you're plugging into it, you're expanding the metal pieces that are inside there, allowing it to probably touch again, so the circuit can travels through. But once you pull oh. the plug, uh, it's jumping the circuit and cutting it off. You know the danger oh, okay. part. The danger part you've got is it could start arcing across that and cause a fire. Okay, I appreciate the information. Thank you much. Bye bye. You bet, Robert. Take care. Yeah, you got to watch that stuff, you know, uh, because if you've never looked inside of a, a an outlet, where you slide your plug into it, there is actually four pieces of metal. There's two two for each slot. And when you plug into it, you basically spread out those metal pieces. Well, as, as uh, things wear, one, those metal pieces can start staying stuck out but in this case what i'm thinking has happened is on the back side of it is a plastic piece that holds the pieces together and i'll bet that plastic has broke and so one of the sides is kind of laying there and when he plugs in it allows it to arc across there maybe may give it a good tight connection may not not worth the risk replace the outlet they're cheap to replace the only thing you gotta you know watch is when you Shut the circuit off, take the plug out, and just watch how the wires are hooked up. Now, a lot of newer plugs, all you got to do is slide them into a, a, a little slot. You don't have to use the screws anymore. You can still use the screws to tighten things down if you want. I still do because I'm more comfortable that way. But, uh, you know, just, just make sure that everything is in line to keep the circuit going. Uh, that's what you got to watch is that you don't... Because you're going to have four wires there instead of just on the terminal end where it's just the two wires that feed the plug. Because it's coming in and going out. So that's really the biggest thing you got to watch on that. You've just heard the best calls and questions from Texas Home Improvement. For more information about our show, go to THIPro.com.